Hello, David Schmeichel here, and you're listening to episode 74 of the Just Life podcast. Gritty, real, and uncensored insights on what it takes to get your shit together. Today we talk about the grieving process and breaking free from our dependencies that get installed without our knowing at those seemingly tragic moments in our lives, those milestones that are in fact keys to unlock our understanding of ourselves and what we need. And what about that BS story we all carry around that we're not creative? We talk about how creative outlets provide us with what we need to be able to step into who we really are. Enjoy the episode. Okay, cool. So this is... uh... We're at episode 74. What up? 74. And we have a guest today, nice. David Weeb, right? Yeah, David Andrew Weeb. Nice to, nice to see you again. Great to w- see you too. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I want to share a little story of how I met David. <laughs> Here sure, we go. I'm sure David remembers it as well. Yeah. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what a prick. Yeah, what a prick. Uh, yeah, not to be too blunt. <laughs> uh, a mutual friend of ours, Wakefield Brewster, is, Wake. uh, was holding, uh, hosting a, a show with the Indie YYC. He does that uh, quite often. How often does that go for? That's monthly. Monthly. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. one of the co-founders of the Indie YYC. Yes, you are. Right. Yes. Look at me putting my foot in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we have one of the co-founders of Indie YYC. And I, yes. I went up to the, the location and I just kind of walked in like I owned a place. And he's like, um, there's a cover charge. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I am? Yeah. Uh, but I know the performer. Yeah. yeah. And the cover charge is $10. <laughs> Needless to say, I went, exactly. I went with my tail between my legs to the nearest ATM to pull out the $5 cover Five. charge. Yeah. Well, it's only because like even the musicians, the girlfriends will come and be like, "Can my girlfriend come in?" For hey, man, free? I get it. You and are the like, gatekeeper. Mm-mm, no, ten dollars. Yeah, for your totally. girlfriend. Well, that's integrity. Yeah, yeah. right. Anyway, so at the end of the day, that's great. So then, so, <laughs> so well, I, I, you know, I, I tried not to make it mean anything, and uh, welcome to being human. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and the the quote unquote inconvenience of it all, like the ridiculous things well, that are going on in your head right it's across the street so you have a lot of time to like process oh totally <laughs> fucker <laughs> no like, um kidding aside and i i love uh indie yyc and, and mm-hmm. what you guys are up to um one of these days i might actually go there and and do one of my pieces because i don't know if i mentioned i i have been exploring for the last little while uh, poetry of my own excellent so it's just a matter of which one to go to because we have storytellers which is a combination singer, songwriter, author, and poet. Hmm. And there's an exchange that happens between the three artists. And then we have the new beat, which is what Wakefield hosts. And that's along to music. So you recite your poetry along to the, yeah, to the yeah. beats that yeah, are Yeah, that's the one that I went to. It was pretty interesting. That, yeah. That's cool. What constitutes uh, as a as a an author? What does that mean? Does that mean yeah, just somebody who's speak? actually written a book and, oh, and usually <laughs> usually a fictional piece, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that is uh, actually well written. Not not a hack like me where I write about you know personal development or music entrepreneurship yeah, who, or who creative yeah. research. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Hacky. That's you just I'm just like selling it for money, right? It's all about the money with the. With the <laughs> 
personal I can help development you books. Solve your problem. Yeah, let me sell, let me sell you success, and then uh, you know, give me your money. <laughs> come, over, come over here and buy my easy button. Yeah, I'm just making fun of myself, but uh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. But real real authors, yes. Yeah, people, real authors, not, not you, Vern. Real authors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you written something? Uh, no. no. <laughs> okay. No, no, I just heard the word author. I'm like, where do I fit in there? I gotta I gotta inject myself somehow oh, just, in this just, conversation. Yeah, so. just write some poems, man. Write some poems. <laughs> You know, write you, some poems. You could totally write some poems. So it actually doesn't have to be a book. You just have rising. to have authored. <laughs> like what, what's, because author, I mean, that's like how long's a piece of string, it sounds like. Are we talking about published author? Or that you have an archive of letters that you've scribbled down? Yeah, I would say actually published, published. author. However, these days, self-publishing is so easy and I could show anyone how to do it. So you Such can that. be self-published. Absolutely. Yeah, but to be published. Yes. Well, like David. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. David Andrew. Exactly. exactly. Who needs a publisher not, not these David days? David Yeah. Jimmy yeah. <laughs> He loves that when I say that. <laughs> <It's not mine. laughs> who needs who needs publishers to take all your money? I want to keep the royalties. Yeah. No yeah. doubt, man. So, so I, I want to introduce a little bit of a backstory to David. Um, mm. you, you've had quite the the ride. <sighs> Most of us have quite the ride yes but we are Everybody's rarely unwilling to to share the the nitty-gritty stuff and that's what this is all about this show um so i'm going to just share a little bit high level and then i'd love to to dig in and, and talk a little bit about it okay sounds great awesome so 96 how old were you in, in 96 in 96 i think i'd be a teenager yeah 12 or 13 12 or 13 and you lost your dad to a motorcycle accident. Correct. Yeah, man. Uh, coma uh, in a coma for ten days, mm. Mm. and uh, and it no doubt had a big impact on you. Yeah, colored my life for a good twenty years. Still continues to impact me in different ways. But no kidding. Yeah. So let's let's pull that one apart because uh, it's important. Yeah. There are uh, they are significant people in our lives, and I think about my little girl. Yeah. She's seven. And there are, at seven, there are times where she like is in tears and is like, I don't want to lose you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, lose me? What do you mean lose me? She's like, I just don't want you to die. Mm -hmm. I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. But she has an awareness that. She has an awareness yeah. of mortality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the awareness crazy. of mortality. So obviously at, at 12, 13, you had an awareness of mortality, but I, I suspect mm -hmm. you didn't really think too much of it. No. Until. It happened. That's right. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, How was that experience for you? Yeah, it's kind of a rough period or bumpy period in my life because I was going to school in the Japanese public system. This was in Japan. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the questions I was going to ask you if you were in Canada or not. Yeah, so, yeah. he speaks David, the other David, speaks fluent <laughs> Japanese. That's right, I do. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I hear it's a very hard language to learn. It wasn't that hard for me, but then again, it was of course, five, 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 so six. hopefully if we're lucky, you'll give us a sample because I just love watching oh, white sure. people. Maybe you can like look, teach us how to tell someone to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody wants to know. Hey man, tell me how to yeah, say but I don't you're know beautiful to... and then how to tell somebody to fuck off. But I don't know how to say it in Japanese, so I want to know. Totally. What's, what's, it. What sort of makes it easier or unique is that it, it, every, every letter ends in a vowel sound and it's a, e, u, e, o. Oh, yeah. interesting. So that's kind of what makes it easy to speak. Reading's a different matter because they have three alphabets. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I can barely handle. There's one, one that has word. the Chinese characters, like the very sophisticated, you know, many. They are their like own 30 stories. Strokes. Yeah. Is this a tangent? 
Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it totally is. is it is. Tangent. And then They're they have katakana hiragana, which is the easier, you know, uh, grade school learning for, for the Japanese language. But wow. yeah, the three alphabets make it. How, last part of the tangent. How, how do you stay sharp? Do you have like a lot of Japanese friends or how do you? Um, so the answer is, is, is kind of funny. Just watch a bunch of Japanese TV. Oh, for me, that, well, that works very well. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to it. You understand what they're saying. Yeah. Okay, and I, I can cool. hear different ways of expressing what they're trying to say. And then I realized too, like, I don't have to be too down on myself because some Japanese people actually are not that great at expressing themselves. I eat. English people. We didn't really realize that. 100%. Like Canadians, Americans. I, I realized, oh, wow, I actually don't know how to speak English. This is pretty embarrassing. That so, happens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, well, um, so, so let's set, set the stage a little bit. You were about 12 or 13 at that time. When did you get to Japan? Because I imagine learning a new language, you know, when did you arrive there? I was five turning six. Five turning six. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So you're this, this bright, blue-eyed, little white kid from Canada, and you're yeah. in Japan. And so fast forward to... Uh, when you when you got the news, so I would have been in grade seven, grade eight, or grade seven, probably going on grade eight, because the the school system is such that your school year begins and ends in summer, um, or spring, unlike summer, where it ha- is how it begins and ends here. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm thirteen, and uh, I think I got called to the the principal's office, or at least the the school staff office. Uh, and that's where they're like, you know, your dad's in the hospital. So I have to, now I'm being taken to the hospital in the middle of a school day, which is already very unusual to me. Because it's like, you know, on time, always in the right space for for uh, the various classrooms. And so I went to the hospital and they're like, do you want to come see your dad? I'm like, now that I know what happened, not particularly. <laughs> well, what did they tell you that happened? He was in a, a accident. And he was riding a motorbike, and he was going downhill, and there was an intersection, and it was flashing yellow lights. It's like a familiar intersection for me because we passed through it many times. Sure. And there was a transport truck coming through the other oh, side. Good shit. He didn't, yeah, he wasn't paying attention, went straight through, and then my dad just tried to swerve, but oh. still ended up hitting the truck. Damn. So he hit the truck, it wasn't the other way around? Because yeah. that would be a, a slightly different out- outcome. It's right? still the fault of the other driver in, yeah. in this situation. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, my, da- my dad couldn't slow down at that point. And yeah, yeah. Wow. Unreal. So you're 13. Um, where's mom in in this? Mom was there. Or? Yeah, she was at okay. the hospital as well, along with my sister. We were all there. So the whole family was in Japan. Yeah. And how old was your sister? Three years older than me. Older than you. Wow. Yeah, 16. And what a critical time in her life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Unreal, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so you actually opted out. To, I mean, I would assert that at some point, did you go to see your father? Yeah, oh, I still went in to go and see him in the hospital room and to see what was going on. And, you know, he's not conscious and bruises and cuts all over. And, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a traumatizing thing to witness. Yeah. And then, can you have you reflected? I, I imagine that you occur to me as the type of guy who would be introspective enough to really look at it now, you know, hindsight, mm-hmm. having, having been there, done that, moved on through many experiences. Do you know what happened to you after that moment? Mm. Yeah. So there was this moment and, uh, it's so weird how we interpret things in life sometimes right i I was talking to my mom and this is after my dad has passed but shortly after and uh, i was asking her for some money to go buy a fishing reel and uh, where my mom normally would have said no in this instance she said yes 
which struck me for whatever reason as being just very, very odd. Right. It's like, that's weird. What, what, what prompted that response? So in my world, it, I just kind of looked at it and said, she must be kind of checked out here. And that must mean that like nobody cares. And that must mean that, you know, I, I don't matter. My life doesn't matter. Oh my God. What a, a culmination, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> such defining principles that then you carried for most of your life. That's right. Yeah. That yeah. You don't matter that nobody cares. Wow. And fundamentally it's just showing up out here in the world as being selfless. That you, that you need to be selfless. It's interesting. It, it's a combination of, yes, on the sort of positive side, like I'm helping people, I'm serving people, I'm supporting people. On the less positive side is like I'm trying to disappear or erase myself. Yeah, right. Because it's actually, people. you're yeah. not important, the other people are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That well, you're not life's a Life's not real anyway, so. Wow. And at what point, like approximately after your dad's passing, was that actually, like, because that conversation was clearly significant for you. So at, at at what point was that request made of your mom and you started to get present to like, holy shit, you know, I don't matter right now. <laughs> it, yeah, I wasn't. Was it with like within a year, within a month like that? I didn't, I didn't have it distinguished, but yeah, I think within a month that conversation had happened. Right. I didn't, I it didn't know there. what difference it made, but, but, but soon it was like, I'm showing up at school kind of feeling like, yeah, what, what, like people don't care about me. Like, yeah. why, don't, why don't people care about me? Mm. Yeah. There must have been also, you know, because obviously when things like that are, I don't know what it's like in Japan, but when something that abrupt happens, yeah. it can be obviously very awkward and uncomfortable for people. In fact, I'm gonna we're going to go a little bit into grieving because mm. I actually was at a conference all week and there was a, a grief specialist there, somebody who did 14 years in hospice. And apparently the average is only seven. So she did double the amount of time in hospices are very familiar with the process of passing and, you know, yeah. um, really being a Sherpa to bring people to the other side in a gentle way and also being with their family and what that's like for them. She shared a story of a lady who lost her husband in 1981 hmm. and just recently she stopped setting the table for him. Oh my God. How she many years had, is that? She, it was like 35 years. Yeah. She had his closet pristine the way that it was when he died. <sighs> For, and she wore black for 30 years. Wow. Oh and what often happens with people is it's always like, hey, like, when are you going to get over this? Or like, hey, you know what? It, like all the mm-hmm. mistakes that you make, like saying things like, oh, you know what? I can relate. I understand how you feel. Like all that stuff is like an absolute no-no. It and we're just, yeah. you know, we're just trying to help ultimately, right? But we, you know, constantly putting our foot in, foot in our mouth. So, so I said all that to say this, like, I don't know what it's like in Japan, but when you get back to school... Maybe some kids distance themselves from you, or mm. maybe some kids make jokes, or maybe, you know, because they're probably all just trying to deal with that discomfort themselves. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Absolutely. So can you, so can you say something about that? Or was that kind of what it was like for you in terms of, I don't matter because everyone's like, oh shit, like, let's not talk to this guy right now. <laughs> yeah, perhaps so. What, what comes to mind is just a conversation I had with, with one of my friends and, you know, uh, I don't know how it even got here, but it's just like, you know, I have this eraser and this is what I have left over of my dad. And, you know, he's like, don't say that. He said, don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah. Wow. And did, and did you just go, oh, and then you just kind of shut up and got inside yourself or what? I, I don't remember. But yeah. I just remember that little fragment of a conversation. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you got to wonder what was going on with him. And then what, again, what you made that mean right away is of like, course, oh, yeah. you don't want to hear about this or... 
you don't care. Yeah. Wow. Then you uh, you share about how throughout your twenties, this lack of confidence mm. in how you showed up and this uh, this trouble with connecting with people, it was your probably it sounds like one of your your bigger struggles in your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's kind of showing up as codependence. And I will out myself and say I did go to Codependence Anonymous, the 12-step group for a little while, to discover what that meant and what that looked like and how right. it was. It was only healthy for me to be in it for a little while, not as a, like a permanent group to be a part of. Um, because, you know, there's a very strict set formula for 12-step groups and how they're supposed to work. But I think sometimes it's just the participation and the conversations and the realizations that come through that that's all you need just need to discover like how it's showing up in other people's world and when you begin to see that it's like you know what i, I just i'm not doing that anymore I'm, I'm now going to stand up for myself and i'm going to ask for what i need and what i want but throughout my 20s um yeah i had my my roommate and best friend was kind of like my spokesperson for a while until years later I realized he doesn't really know what I'm thinking or feeling anymore. So he's not actually speaking what I need him to say. And that's the point at which I started to separate myself from, from that whole codependence thing. Mm. You realize that you actually need a voice. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That, that nobody can be your voice. Not at all. Yeah. Because it does not actually articulate what, what's going on or what's needed or what you what you're aspiring to and none of that stuff yeah you have no idea and culturally it's so different mm. uh japan was just like a huge community and so many friends and people that i got along with and it felt fairly natural where it, it just didn't have that same sense of you know community here mm. uh, fairly, when did you come back when i was 14 yeah it's, so what brought your family there to japan yeah you know i don't know the whole story but i know that my sister was born there and they liked Fukuoka, which is in, in Kyushu, kind of the southern, not the southernmost, but the southern island in Japan. And they liked it so much that they wanted to return. So they so they were there. Your sister was born there. They came back to Canada. Yeah. Little David came into the world. And then they just decided at one point, hey, let's go back there. That's right. So it wasn't necessarily dependent particularly on mom or dad specifically. So once dad was gone... Was that was mom working? Was it was it rough to stay? Did you have to leave, or was it a choice that your mom made? No, it was a choice to go and be with family in Canada, right? Because there was an inheritance that we were each given in, in Japan. How a car crash like that is handled? Uh, there's some pretty severe penalties for the driver, wow. for better or for worse. And he came and visited us, and like we're feeling as bad as he he feels because he yes. has to pay this penalty to us. Wow, he visited you. Yeah. Wow, that's and noble. So like the inheritance went between my mom and myself, my sister. So like for the time being, you're, we're, you're we're okay. fine. We're fine. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's great at least, you know, because again, that's the business that I'm in, being a life insurance advisor. And the last thing that people think it's all about money, it's not about money at all. Mm. It's just the fact that, hey, money is a huge distraction. And the last thing you want to be dealing with when you're grieving, when you're, you don't want to be thinking about work, you don't want to be thinking about bills, you don't want to be thinking, tough. do we have to leave? Do we have to go back to Canada? You don't want to be thinking any of that stuff. You just want to be together, I would, I would, I would assert. You want to just be able to deal with it, be with your family and have that burden just not be a, a conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, makes a huge difference. Absolutely. The one thing I want to ask you about that is I just had family come back from Japan and they're just like very, like it's such a different culture and they almost, mm -hmm. the, the, the take that I kind of got from it was 
they're saying it's they're so light years ahead mm. almost in just in culture that we he, they come back here and they go wow it's so we're, we're almost like behind in the times like everyone there's a there's a, there's a certain like respect and politeness even just walking around yeah and did you notice that difference coming uh, it was it was a major contrast like there was a bit of culture shock going from canada to japan but coming coming back from japan to canada it was far it hit me harder the culture shock to a detriment wow. yeah it wasn't like oh man this is crazy and look at what i have to live up to it's like yeah. geez people what the hell are you doing exactly you must and, have, oh, sorry, go ahead. well i remember in like grade eight i, I was sitting in science class and it, and it was of course you're all you're all sitting next to different students is right? this calgary it was actually barhead so i, I did grade eight just two months extra because i'd finished grade eight in japan right came back to did a couple months extra just to catch up with the english language and all that kind of stuff sure yeah so like i'm sitting next to him and i was like what is this word how do i pronounce this word i don't know and he, he just looks at me like what the hell's wrong with you yeah yeah he does yeah. no answer no answer Wow. Um, this, is just, this, this is bullshit. Yeah, this is bullshit. Help me out here, man. Yeah. It was funny for you. Like, it must have been a really tricky situation to to tie in, like, the, the seminar share that I had the other day. Mm. Uh, for you, you must have been in a weird place being, like, you know, a white kid, Canadian kid. But here you are, very young years, learning, being completely immersed in the Japanese culture. Yeah. It's almost like you're in disguise. Oh, yeah. You come back here, Big you're a time. foreigner, but you look like everybody else. Big time. Mm. It must have been so weird for you. Yeah. I also related to what you said about, you know, your, uh, you said your dad's favorite show was Star Trek, right? And yeah. same with mine. Like, he loved science fiction. So mm. on that point, I was like, oh, yeah. Kind of became present to that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So 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 did more things like that occur where, again, you're trying to get reconnected <laughs> to the language. You're trying to get connected to the culture. Everyone's kind of cold. Because you know what it's like here as a teenager. You're just trying to make it. You're yeah. trying to fit in. You do not want to screw up. You, the last thing you want to do is fuck something up because then, holy shit, you're like the poster boy for bullying or whatever it's going to be, right? So mm. say more about that. I had that from fairly early on. Like, don't make mistakes with people. That was sort of uh, part of my consciousness. Man, talk about setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Mm. I had that part of my consciousness from, from when I was like five or six. The first and only time my dad spanked me. Oh, right. Yeah, so grade eight, yeah, you were absolutely right. There was bullies. And they'd be riding the same bus, and it's like, come on, really? Yeah. And, and then, you know, sometimes my sister would just yell at him when it got too much. And Right, your but, sister's there. But randomly, I would get pushed into lockers, wouldn't see or know who did it. And, yeah, sometimes they'd just wow. come up in the bus and start punching you. And <laughs> Wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's so Bar- Barhead, I mean, it's such a redneck place in a way, but not to be too derogatory. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, listen. They fucking set they next. set the foundation for fucking opening up a lawnmower on you on the school bus. So, uh, if anybody doesn't know what that is, that's like a hockey term for oh yeah starting a lawnmower go, go, go. on somebody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Rifling. Anyway. Um, so wow. so let's jump ahead a little bit. You are a musician. Yeah. You were in a few bands. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that journey. When I was in junior high, I started feeling, as in grade nine, I started filling binders with lyrics, uh-huh. really terrible lyrics. And had you played any instruments or been involved in music at this point? Except for like what was there in grade school, because in Japan, music was part of the curriculum. Okay. So, you know, harmonica and recorder and maybe a little bit of tambourine or drums kind right. of thing. But cool. That's so now a, you're back in Canada at this point. Yeah. Okay. So cool. that's my only experience. Mm. And, you know, I kind of just got into the pop music of the time you know, 
Scatman John or Chumbawamba or Will Smith or Beastie Boys or whatever, sort of slowly started discovering things that I liked and then emulated some of what I heard and started filling binders. And, and then, so that happened all the way from grade nine to grade 12. And it was punk and hardcore and hip-hop and nice. yeah do you still have all of those I, I don't but you know what there is a song i think either on spotify or youtube it's called there's only one boss and the lyrics in that song would totally you know, mm. give you a sense of the kind of weirdness that that went on and did that uh was that like a safe haven for you like how did you stumble upon hey i'm gonna start writing down some lyrics yeah i don't know how exactly it started coming together but um it was it was certainly a form of expression, you know, mm. getting some thoughts out, getting some ideas out. For sure. Uh, up until that point, I had done a lot of arts and crafts and, and drawing and painting and, and visual design kind of things. So from the moment I was born, it's kind of artistic. And I guess that was now shifting to this whole thing of, about lyrics. And when did you first pick up an instrument? It was when I was 17, and that's when I started playing guitar. So... Yeah, so just three or four years straight, I'm writing, 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 writing. You're getting ready. Yeah. It's like you're training. Mm. Exactly. Then my sister went to college, and she ended up meeting uh, Jason Johnson, who ended up being my first guitar teacher. And I had a guitar because, interestingly enough, one of my dad's colleagues in Japan came all the way to Canada to, to give me the guitar that she said she would give to me, she promised me. And Wow. Yeah, her son's guitar, and her son had actually passed away. Holy snap. Yeah, so... She came all the way to Canada, dropped it off at my grandparents' place in, in Drumheller, uh, Rosedale, yeah. And then I had that guitar in my closet for a little while and then went to uh, a camp, I think it was a youth camp, and I saw my friend play. And he was playing, you know, Blink-22 and Sum 41 and Matchbox 20. I said, you Whoa. can do that? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm like, dude. I want to do that. I love that. You can do that? <laughs> Holy shit. The, the realization. Right <laughs> yeah, in moment. totally. How often you point to something really interesting there because every single human being on this planet walks around thinking that's not possible. Mm -hmm. For right. whatever reason, that, that, that some of its parts, right? The culmination of all of those experiences and reasons and stories that we don't even realize we downloaded on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and then there's that spark that happens, that magic, right? That you just got tapped. Yeah. And the realization of, holy mm. shit, I can do that? Yeah. You always could, actually. Yeah. And yeah. so in realizing that, then what? What happened? Well, you know, that I began, it began innocuously enough, right? Because, okay, Blink-182, you, once you learn your power chords, you can do Green Day, you can do any kind of punk rock, just about. Good to know. Yeah, it's not it's not too challenging. <laughs> People are like, it sounds so good. Yeah, but it's actually really easy it's to play. It's super yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, then, cool. so then within a year and a half or, or two years, I'm playing Jimi Hendrix and Van Halen and some of the wow, more yeah, technically wow. advanced kind of stuff. Well, I'm, I'm guessing, like, A, it, Probably came a little bit natural to you, whether you, I don't, I don't know, right? came a little bit natural, but I'm, I'm guessing, is it fair to say that you probably immersed yourself in that quite a bit? I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's where that natural tendency comes from. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Say more. <laughs> so I've, it, I've taken a lot it, of headshots in my day. So. <laughs> it, only, it, it only became natural to him because of how much time he invested in oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, hands down. But, but we have this other ridiculous notion and story that no i'm, I'm not creative 
Now, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. Totally. You know what one you know what one gets in my way is hilarious. Now, obviously, I'm aware of it now, so I get to do something about it. But it's like, well, why the hell would I pick up a guitar? Like, you're mm. not going to be the best. What, are you going to be Metallica? You're going to be, like, touring the world? Or, you know, you can't have a hobby. Like, you can't just be a hobby. you got to be the best at it. Or don't try. Well, that, was, all that was my intention. So it's cool what David's saying, and I get that. What David's saying is when you're really into something, it doesn't come as work. No, hands down. So you down. just do it and do it and do it. And, like, you have a natural talent. And then just by doing it because you love it, you just get... You know, well, and it's it. less about a natural talent yeah. and more just a natural curiosity. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Because we, we are not born with a natural talent for music. Yeah. We might have a, an ear for it, a curiosity for it, um, but, but that does not mean that we can pull out any instrument and just jam like we, yeah. there's a we've been doing it for 20 years. you got to nurture that curiosity. the willingness to, to nurture that curiosity because it's, it, you're curious about it. Yeah. And if, if so, we were to, if we were to just allow ourselves to nurture the curiosities in our life, guess what we would do? So many fucking things. Yeah. yeah. And we would, li- we would be living a life fulfilled. Absolutely. That's the end byproduct. You actually have joy and pleasure. And I just want to acknowledge, because it's likely going to show up on the podcast, if you're hearing a bunch of ladies, the lovely ladies (laughs) in the background, it's because um, we haven't quite got to the point where our podcast studio is off site yet. Or soundproof. (laughs) soundproof. It's because there's a party going on. There's a party going on. (laughs) Maya's teaching some art in the other room. So uh, just bear with us. Some and and you may or may not hear it. I don't know if it if it comes in or not, but I sure hear it, and I'm just trying to let that fucking go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You actually said it, Vern, but like being the best, like that was my intention early on. Be my personal best. I can't compare myself to Eric Johnson or Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix or Van Halen or any of those guys. Yeah. I but I had the desire to be the personal best I could be. Right. And I still haven't reached that point. Of course not. It's yeah. a mountain without a no, top. Yeah. You'll, you'll never get there. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's no ceiling. Took the words out of my mouth. Man. So you played over. <laughs> 300 gigs yeah. as a musician. Wow. wow. <laughs> he That's just got crazy. present to his own That's accomplishment. Yeah. No shit, man. 300 gigs. And there's still more. You know, you know very few to the people list. have done 300 of anything. Absolutely. No doubt, right? You know, to be I fair, mean, some of the outliers two or 300 days a year. Every single year. Like some of the hardest, hardest working oh. bands like Kiss, right? Oh, for sure. They for toured sure. 250, 300 days a year just to like, they, they were not successful at first. Everybody yeah. thinks, so. oh yeah, they just blew up. No, oh, of course. they were not successful in that the first is five, ten years. Society, that's mankind's biggest cover-up story. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. Hands down. The, the overnight, overnight success. success. The t- yeah. You know, I love when people say, yeah, it only took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Yes, exactly. It reminds me, again, not to go down too far down the rabbit hole, but the the three feet from gold story, right? You, you know, just if you're compelled to do the thing, just keep doing it. Because at the end of the day, you know, worst case scenario, it's a part of your story. But to your point with Kiss, I mean, they probably, and all these bands, they're touring and doing these things for years. And nobody knows who the fuck they are. Yes. And then all exactly. of a sudden, one day they pop on the scene and everyone goes, oh, where did these guys come from? They're so good. Never heard of them. Well, yeah, dude, because they've been laying foundation for 10 years. And they've yeah. been enjoying the process. And they've been enjoying the process. They've actually allowed themselves. And this is the other thing that we get to unravel is... Uh, as older people um, bringing a lot of baggage along with us. When are you going to give that up, that bullshit? Right, all all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And if we were to actually just embrace those tendencies where where we have the propensity for like, 
whatever it is, if we would just do it, like just whatever, whatever it is, start scribbling on paper, um, start recording something, do the thing, do that small little thing that, and, and get that, I'm preaching right now, get that, uh, after doing that, you're just gonna, there's something that's the, a little fire that got lit inside of you. And, and it's just your indication to keep going mm -hmm. and, and keep doing that thing until you go to like, Reflection time, 300 gigs. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even realize. Right, you wrote that down. By I the way. did. Wrote that yeah. Down. <laughs> and because we're friends, I'm going to step in and not let you diminish yourself. What do you mean? What was I diminishing? You're preaching. You're not preaching. Well, I, 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 I was more tooting my horn than than diminishing. Um, or maybe it was a combination. No, you're just getting in there, being like, "Who the fuck is talking right now?" Oh my god. <laughs> no, because here's what's real. Like people who are listening to the podcast and whatnot. First of all, we're putting in the work on the podcast. And second of all, you are actually navigating through the waters and, and, and exploring your own creativity and finding absolutely. different tools and making posts like you're doing the thing. So That's you actually excellent. are absolutely in the place to be to be telling people, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm in the game. Yeah, you're speaking yeah. from context, brother. So it's all good. I, it's funny. I talk about not doing the landmark thing, but it kind of shows up. So without giving away too much of you know the seminar and all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, I think everyone's heard, you know, we do a lot of work with an organization called Landmark. And mm -hmm. we were in a seminar the other day, and it's called the Money Seminar. And ironically enough, it's actually nothing to do with money. But yeah. um, it has everything to do with money and nothing to do with money. And the the, the leader of the program happens to be, um, he's Indian, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Like Indian from India, mm -hmm. uh, just so everyone knows. And he was talking about, you know, what it's like to be a little kid. You know, and going to schools with, I don't know, 98.9% white kids. You know, he had mentioned like there was him and another Indian kid maybe in the whole school. And uh, he started to tell this story about how he's a big Star Trek fan. And at the beginning of listening to it, I'm going like, yeah, okay, great. You know, when I was a kid, my dad was a Star Trek guy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, you know, when he starts out, you have no idea where this is going to go. And so fast forward a little bit. He was talking about Star Trek as a bold stand for the world. And I'm going, what? Like, really, now I'm going, where is he taking this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, think about this for a second. And I think it was 1966. Mm -hmm. They have the Starship Enterprise. They have a Canadian as the captain. That's the first thing he said. And I thought, okay. And then he starts going on. Now, you could probably help me out in this part because I don't have it all down. But he says, you know, there's the Russian is the head of, what did, what did Scotty do? What was his job? Chief engineer. Chief engineer is a Russian. Yeah. A Russian in the United States in 1966. Yeah. Then he says, then they have a Japanese guy was like communications officer S or whatever, yeah. right? And then they have, um, I'm going to get to the, the big highlight, but what was, there was one, what's one there, more? There's the there's a black woman. Well, that's the one I wanted to get to is when he said, right. you know, there's a, a, first of all, a woman and a black woman. And then the, the captain the, is Canadian. The captain is Canadian, but also the medical officer. Yes. I can't uh, remember. I can't remember the nationality there. And then the second and, officer is an alien. Alien. Yeah, right. the second officer is an alien, right? Yeah. So, so now... Oh, so, man, the metaphor is rich. Yeah, it was it so great because here you have this, like, literally multicultural polka-dotted crew right in the middle of, you know, we know tons of things going on in the 60s, right? And they just said, no, like, this is how we're going to do it. And probably against everyone's advice. And um, he started talking about, uh, was, it, was it Oprah or... Yeah. I think it was Oprah or somebody like that, somebody who became famous, 
you know, running also Martin Luther King. Um, well, there was a part with both Martin Luther King, but uh, Whippy yeah. Goldberg. Oh, Whippy Goldberg. That's right. So Whippy Goldberg's little little girl, little kid, and being like super excited because there's this black woman on TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and that's when I started to get like and saying there's he, a well, there's this person on TV is not a maid. Yeah, that's right. She mm-hmm. said she's not a maid, and like all this stuff, right? There's a huge amount of weight. And momentum going on in my brain because, like I'd mentioned before, you know, I'm pretty on incognito. Like, depending on the group that I show up in, I'm a white guy or a Spanish or I'm Italian, or some people go, Oh, like, do you, are you, do you have some black in you? Like, what's the deal? Right. So, I've had this identity crisis my whole life, and I've dealt with, you know, uh, persecution in my, in my mind as a little kid, like being held out and, and, and all these sorts of things. So, but then I started to get connected to like my dad and like, you know, I speculated on what would have him be such a Star Trek fan. You know, why is that? And in 1966, my dad would have been 17 years old. Hmm. About, yeah. He was born in 1949. So, you know, here's this black guy. Or at the time, he thought he was completely 100% black. But anyway, hold on the story. I've shared that on the podcast before. That actually is half Métis Indian. But uh, I, yeah, so I started to speculate like, wow. Like, and so I'm actually going to call my dad and have a conversation with him about that. Hmm. But at that point, I just started the way that Vic, Vic was sharing the leader and he was going on about, you know, what that show is all about and how that woman, after about one season of the show, she was actually at a civil rights rally and she turned around and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was standing right behind her. And he was like, you know, he actually embraced her. And she's like, wow. And he, she told him at the time, like, I'm done. Like, I want to quit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. And he just said, you can't. You, she didn't like the writing. She didn't like how her character was developing. Oh, okay. She thought she was getting different lines. And, and just and, written out of the script. Yeah. 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 Right. right. So while she was given a voice. Right. And a platform to be heard. She wasn't really in the same regard. It was only the beginning of that process. Right. The 60s. And then what did Martin Luther King Jr. say? Uh, Fill me in. because He he looked at her and said, you can't. You cannot. Exactly. Do that. Yeah, that's pretty much the message, right? Yeah. Because just your influence of what you're doing. Yeah, she's the trailblazer, man. 66 American television. Yeah. If not you, then who? 100%. Yeah, and so I'm getting goosebumps right now but as that was going on and dude i was convulsing like i was sitting in the <laughs> crowd I, I was it was uncontrollable like i just yeah. i kept thinking about even he changed the subject like we're, we're 10 15 minutes later other people have shared and i just had this thing in my head and all these memories of my childhood and i was thinking about my dad and i'm thinking about star trek and i'm thinking about these civil rights rallies and i'm thinking like wow a tv show a TV show from the 60s. You don't think anything of it, really. At least I never did. Because it and got canceled. Well, it got canceled after three and seasons. because the people... Because at that point, they said, what is this? This show's not... Do, it doesn't make sense to 1960s America. And the people loved it so much that they... They were demanding to come. Yeah, yeah. 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 right. And, uh, and it's, so... It's a testament of what's possible. I just went... Uh, up and and shared from the front like i was literally this is it's never happened to me before like i was pretty much uncontrollable like i was crying and just and i just had to share like what an impact that conversation had on me there's a lot more to probably add to it because i could hardly build context around the story that i was sharing just what it was like for me growing up and having this identity crisis and being intimately connected to race and being this like i said this 
under the radar incognito person and always winding up in these tricky situations where you know there's racial context going on and people have no idea that I'm, you know, my dad's black, right? And things like that. And, and just what it was like for him growing up. And even a little bit of like, you know, my, my mom dealt with that, right? Being the, the white girl dating this black guy in the in the early, late 70s, right? Yeah. Anyway, so it was just a huge, uh, a huge share. It was a, had a big impact on me and I got connected to, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with my dad. Just like, hey man, tell me about Star Trek. You know, what's that about? And was, I just want to see what's there for him. That'd be know? awesome. It yeah. was a great share. And I relate to Incognito for reasons we discussed, right? Yeah. Like, I, I yeah, your referred, own version. I've referred to um, myself as an egg because, you know, why don't yeah. I have yellow on the inside? <laughs> That's great. Usually it's the other way around, right? It's, I keep telling people it's part of my DNA. Like even like some of the failed relationships and things that didn't go well. I'm just like, you do realize I'm Japanese, right? <laughs> I'm basically Asian. So <laughs> if, if you ever come in contact with a Japanese person, you'll begin to see how you know, it connects in terms of my behavior and how it I am. It is the polar opposite. What you see is not what you get. And it's not even what you think it might be either. Yeah. Totally. Take something to do 74 podcasts. It so, totally so you, guys, you guys have to be acknowledged for that. Absolutely. Thanks, 100%. Well, man, you know, thank you. Yeah. I've, I've had some long-running podcasts, but of course I've had a couple here and there that only lasted 10, 20 episodes because they were side projects anyway to begin with. Well, that's funny. He's done like a whole crap load of podcasts, too. It's not just like one podcast series no. with a certain you know episodes. He's like, you know, I've done a bunch of podcasts and one only lasted for 10 episodes. It's like, okay, we're still on our first run here <laughs> well and to that point i have no, started dude. my second podcast excellent yeah what is it, it? it's more focused it's so it's m more about my uh journey yeah. and and realizations while while the just life is a uh a, a combination right a, mm -hmm. a curation and a storytelling between Vern and i and other people this other one is now me sharing my poetry and some of my Hmm. Um, discoveries and realizations as a uh, an entrepreneur gone entrepreneur committed to like just burning down all the boxes around me and so i'm, I'm just going to share that stuff so second Super podcast cool. is in the works I'm, i've already done four is it four i think it was four yeah four episodes on that it, podcast and to the point of you know your community and people you surround yourself with and all that uh, david's constantly pushing my boundaries around mm. <laughs> Pushing my boundaries. We better keep this PG thirteen, man. <laughs> I, I just love that. Pushing my boundaries around, you know, just technology and platforms and social. There's so much. You know, developing content and all those things. Yeah. And well, in the story that Vern has about, I don't get it. Yeah, it's just one of the ways uh -huh. that I diminish myself. It's one yeah. of the ways that I stop myself from living into the future that I say that I'm creating. Right? Yeah. Is by going, oh, I don't get it. So I'm aware of that. So um, anyway, to that point is now I'm, you know, within a couple of weeks likely maybe even sooner i'll i'll have my own podcast more focused specifically on business oh, and, absolutely why uh because so Vern is working on his second podcast wow yeah that's yeah, terrific exciting damn wow. boy i just put it out in the world oh, too shit. <laughs> yeah now you're yeah, yeah. so so more about you. <laughs> <laughs> so i can talk endlessly about me so no, it's great i love this i love this and just quickly, David, I just want to know, you did 300, you've done about 300 gigs. Whereabouts, like where have you all like been all over doing these gigs? Yeah, um, mostly in Western Canada. So just in Western Canada? Yeah, oh, cool. Calgary, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Cochrane, in BC, uh, Kimberly, 
uh, Invermere, yeah. What is the scope of, is it just a huge variety or what's the scope of most of the gigs you've done? Is it like in a band at a, at a pub or is it more like, like what kind of stuff have you done? Yeah, it's been a real mix of, of different things. There's There's been artisan fairs, there have been uh, networking events in libraries, wow. coffee shops, pubs and bars and clubs, yeah. Very With cool. bands, solo, duo, trio. You may not want to, what's your favorite place to play? What is my favorite place to play? A large venue. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And yeah. are you a singer at all? Yeah, I do sing well, too. You sing too. Wow. Yeah. So have you done some uh, solo shows where you've actually played an instrument and sang? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm just floored by that. <laughs> Singing amazing. is one of those things that I have a curiosity for. Oh, same. And I haven't, um, I haven't touched it. <laughs> it's like, well, to your point. I can't sing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to carry a note. Yeah. Ah, it took years to develop. For yeah. Go figure, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine that. <laughs> oh, my God. Coming around full well, circle Yeah, you again. try once, you go, oh, well, clearly I can't sing, so I should probably just put that down. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> took years for me to develop you my know. voice. It was even, ridiculous. Even if, it, just to get to the point of being, like, everyone's favorite person to invite to karaoke, like, I'd be honored just to be that guy. <laughs> Let alone, you know, <laughs> playing on a stage. So and not be the guy that they invite. Just because of the atrocity you make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like watch, watch what he does. Wait till Vern gets up there. Oh so, uh, where can people find you if they want to dig in a little bit more and, and find uh, find out what you're up to? Yeah, there are a few places, but davidandrewweeb.com if you're interested in checking out some of the music. MusicEntrepreneurHQ.com, which is now tools and resources that I've been creating for musicians for many, many years now. And what kind of resources are you making available? Books and courses and and eBooks and uh, pretty much anything. If I can connect the musicians to the right tools to help them move their career forward, I've got uh, tons of affiliate relationships too. So I'm like, I need to talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah hands down. He, he works yeah. with a lot of musicians. He also plays. Wow. He's uh, a he has his own uh, studio as well in his basement, uh, the bunker. Yeah, yeah we call it the cool. bunker. It's badass. I love yeah. it. Of course, you can go to the indiewyc.com to learn about the IC. And if you want to hear an older podcast I did with my buddy Mavin Cora, that's at usingyourpower.com. But I don't think that's going to be revived. I thought it might be, but I don't think it's going to be revived. Wow, man, you're just a beast in the media space. Hey, <laughs> yeah. crushing yeah, it. No doubt. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, in so, I mean, it was explosive, right? There was there was a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. was talked about, but then. Um, there, there was a. It's clear there was a uh, a theme that came out of it. What's sh- what's showing up for you out of just having this conversation inside of the experiences that you've acquired? Because it's one thing to write down and answer uh, a bunch of questions on a yeah. form, and it's a whole other thing to now have a conversation about them and really get a uh, get a deeper connection to it. Well, is there anything that that um, you're you're seeing that you're realizing? Anything? I think the need to to acknowledge myself. I don't think we stop often enough to do that, totally or even dude. celebrate what it is we've done. We, and we Not often even have to that. acknowledge, but to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. and it's so funny because we have that connected to money right away. It's like, okay, how much how much party can I afford? Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. Where, how much where, party yeah. can I? Afford? Yeah, it's like that's the first thing that comes to mind. But like, I don't care. I think. There's there's something too magical to like celebrating in advance before your success happens. You need to celebrate it. No, I think you're I think you're right on the right track. Because to your point, for for me at least, one of the things is is like, what's to celebrate? I didn't make any money. 
Is right. that is that weird or what? It is the weirdest thing. Wow. Weirdest connection. You can't just be celebrating your accomplishment or your joy for the thing, or you know, there's got to be some kind of like significance the, or the monetary. monetary. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that is that is that subtle. A uh, little monster that culture is released into mm. the, the crowds of society and and just it does crazy amount of damage to our mental well-being mm-hmm. because we are constantly constantly connected to that little that little guy on our shoulder you know whispering in your ear saying yeah but you really fucking suck yeah. you know it's you've horrible. only got three hundred followers man yeah, yeah. why bother three hundred gigs come on should have been four hundred. <laughs> Yeah, some people are doing 300 gigs in a year. Yeah, <laughs> they are. But you know, isn't it great? Well, that's just it. They are, and they are. Yeah, and and, and uh, okay. <laughs> you but know? I recently read uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh yeah, it's oh, a good book. book. Mark, Mark, yeah. Great book. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't uh, heard, I haven't finished that, but I've heard of it. And and one of the points he he just raises is like, look, our fixation is on basically the 10. percent He said 10, percent but honestly, it's, it's probably one. It's two percent of yeah. the two percent is what it is. Right. Yeah. That's what we focus on in this world. The the tallest, the fastest, totally, the best, totally. right? All the time. That's the fixation. And and we don't even acknowledge or understand that most of us will never be that yeah so yeah. like what i did yeah it sometimes it's hard to see that's it's extraordinary if i compare it to somebody else but if i if, if i get out of that world of comparison and realize what i was doing during those years of making albums and recording and going on mini tours and performing and during that whole time i'm managing my personal online presence yeah posting shows and sending emails and sharing on social media the whole works i realized you know that is an accomplishment yeah man. so Huge. He did our outro. <laughs> Sorry. He, he did the Just per- right now? He did the perfect summation of, of the episode. So thanks for listening to episode 74. We'll nice. see you next week. Really, that, that, that was amazing, and I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Excellent. It was well so done, good. Man. Yeah, thanks for having me.